Well, I mean, it's quite funny. We, uh, we've recorded this about five times and finally got it right. But welcome to Morning Cyber. My name is Joe Flower, and I'm joined by Justin Robinson of Rogue Security. Nice one. Yeah, and I'm um, super happy to be here. Uh, looking forward to having this be our last recording of our introduction. No, I'm just kidding. Um, no, I'm, I'm looking forward to another great Morning Cyber episode and having a really interesting discussion about some of the latest cybersecurity news that we've come across this week. And um, yeah. Yeah, well, let's get to it. I mean, I suppose this is going to be a bit of a different one from the last one that we released. Um, our last one, obviously, uh, we had Gabrielle Hempel on and uh, our morning kind of cyber podcasts that are going to be released on a Monday are more focused around the, the in-depth tech and uh, for people who are really interested in what's going on in the actual uh, workforce. Whereas our Friday ones, I think we're trying to aim to be a bit more relatable to people who are out of the cybersecurity realm. So for example, people like my granddad who's there getting a phishing email, we want to make sure that he doesn't click that link that's going to take him to some dodgy sites. So our aim is to get people to be more cyber aware. And I think having myself looking at it from a uh, un cyber tech side and Justin on the technical side, it's uh, given me a good opportunity to learn and then get other people to learn through this medium. So welcome to Morning Cyber. And we hope you enjoy it. Yes, I'm looking forward to being able to really have some good conversations with you know you and our guests uh just about some of the real stuff that we're seeing because we work in this industry and you know we do different things and we have different perspectives and experiences and i think that's going to be really interesting to uh <laughs> to uh to listen to quite frankly so um we can't have a morning podcast without our coffee so i'm drinking a dark roast black from tim hortons i'm a i'm such a black coffee drinker i i drank so much coffee at my last job that i was like no i need to learn how to drink a black because i'm gonna get yeah diabetes yeah see i i, I didn't drink coffee um for a long time and i started again recently but after the last couple of uh, couple of weeks where you, you start getting the shakes you think oh time to, time to stop a bit so at that point i mean so lots of stuff has been going on this week in regards to myself, yourself, Rogue Security, Cyberforce, but in the news, there's been some huge stuff going on. And I wanted to hear your take, Justin, on the kind of hate scenario that we're going through. What What is going on? Yeah, that's interesting. So the H-1B visa is, is basically like uh, a special work permit for individuals who want to work for a US based company, but are not a US citizen. And so they're basically stopping them or halting them. Uh, and, I, and I'm sure it's, you know, they're going to claim it's in uh, to do with the pandemic. But um, I don't think that there's an appreciation for the amount of foreign employees in US companies, especially US tech companies in Silicon Valley. And I know we have some friends who have worked in a couple of Silicon Valley organizations who have been like, there are so many employees that 
like these companies are going to have a very difficult time finding qualified workers because it's uh, it's really not about you know the idea is they want to be able to fill those roles with Americans. The, I, 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 I think what they need to understand is they would have if they could have, and there's a reason why, you know, there's there's the number of foreign workers everywhere that there is, and I mean, we see the benefit in Canada, and that's a big that's a big difference. So we'll probably see an influx of uh, applications on our side. And I mean, it, it's just. For me, it's kind of hit me, hit me inside the head, so to speak, because I've got lots of people phoning me and um, trying to talk to me about their next steps, like people that I've forged relationships with over the last couple of years, and they're, they're saying to me, look, well, what do I do? It's not just me, it's my family. And I think this is the key part here that we need to realise that if this decision is made, it's not just an individual within an organisation or an organisation and there are 10 individuals on their team, it's the other members of the family, like the kids that have been involved in schools, that have maybe been there for up to two or three years mm. and have got used to the school systems here and the, and, the, and the other family members that are either in work or either just getting involved in the community. It's taking people's lives and moving them. But with that being said, there are some positives to come out of these things, okay? We need to look at it from a non-political side, are very skilled, which is why the country needed them. Yeah. So yes, the US is there, but then also we need to think that Canada is right here. So we're in a position where in which we're lucky in Canada, we are open to people moving here. So we've just got to wait and see. So we would love to hear all of your views on this situation um, and how maybe it can be dealt with. I know that people will be looking at an offshore option. Companies will be looking for the offshore option. I mean, I've already seen one post, um, I think it was the Economic Times uh, in, in India, and they, it was a brilliant, brilliant piece of writing about how this is the time for them to capitalize on this and say to the US companies, look, most of the people that are working there have come from India, and that's because they are so technically aware and are good at it. Um, and I feel as though those companies are going to use that offshore option, but then also they need to look at the nearshore options that can be provided here in Canada as well. I mean, road security being one of them. <laughs> but, and that's the idea is, uh, you know, Canada only because you know that's the ecosystem we exist in so that's specifically where we're talking about. Oh of course about. yeah yeah of course. Yeah. You, you could say the same for some other locations in Europe and you know maybe Australia they kind of do the same thing but um, you know Canada especially the you know it's inexpensive but we we do not have the selection of rules uh, like if you look at the uh, when you look, when we're talking about cybersecurity, the number of open roles in Canada as it compares to the U.S. is like ten times less, yeah. right? And so, but you're still talking about like, you know, three million open roles in North America by the end of, um, by the end of uh, 2021. Yeah. But I think what's going to happen is that the percentages within that within the North American space are going to shift heavily out of the U.S. into Canada. Or even out of the North American, uh, well, I think 
locations. So that, that leads on to a question that I've kind of been uh, playing around with in my head for the last, last couple of days, and that is, I've seen lots of views on it. Is there a cyber shortage? Now, hear me out here. I don't think there is. I think there's a shortage in the training and education surrounding cyber. And now the reason that I say that is you take an IT analyst, you take a systems analyst, someone with that adept knowledge can become a cybersecurity analyst. Yeah. Am I, am I, I'd, love, I'd love you to say that I'm wrong and you to say that there's so many jobs and not many people, or are we not looking for the right people? And not willing to train them and pay for the training. Yep. Okay. So it's so funny because you, so you are, you're correct. There's not, uh, there's not a uh, cybersecurity shortage. It's funny because if you talk to people in both groups of cybersecurity professionals and people who hire cybersecurity professionals, mm -hmm. they're going to tell you different stories. Like we can't find anybody. And the other people are going to tell you, we can't find roles. And it's, it's, it is, the fact of the matter is, is there's a disconnect between the people who are hiring for cybersecurity roles and the professionals who are looking for roles, mm -hmm. because there's a lot of, there's a lot of like special, like speciality in the cyber world and information security. And so we don't, we don't do a good job of hiring people because we can't do a good job of explaining what we expect them to do because they're supposed to be the, like, the very few and like that know this world. And so what you see is a lot of these generic job descriptions that are just pulled based on what they've seen in the industry. And it's not working mm -hmm. because they're looking for people with cybersecurity and information security experience when they should be looking for the skills that are actually going to make up that role that they want to, that they want to have. So it's, it, it, you nail it. We interrupt this podcast to bring you our sponsors. Just for a plain example here, there's a company everyone or a lot of people should know, Invesco. Now, Invesco is set up here in uh, Charlottetown, Prince Edward Island, where, to be brutally honest, the economic side of things is heavily swung in the tourism direction um, because it's such a beautiful place to be in the summertime. Now, with Invesco setting up here, Justin, I'm, I'm sure that you'd be happy to talk about your experiences in IT and how you went from that call center environment, working as the IT tech support there, maybe tier one, tier two, to where you are now, right? The cybersecurity analyst right the way up to cybersecurity. Yeah, so that's a good question. I'll actually go a little bit further back because I started out actually doing call center work for internet service provider technical support. Uh, if you've heard of Eastlink, I did some work for them. Um, I moved into more technical roles like web hosting support, backend sort of senior technical specialist sort of dealio, and then kind of moved into roles like desktop services and service desk. And then I did a little bit of application development because like I just, I have this I had this IT generalist mentality, and I think a lot of people in the cyber world do. Um, and then I, and then I got into information security, cybersecurity, with all of that experience in like the. So I was working in a security operations center, uh, 
mentioned at Invesco, I, uh, he was my former employer, and you know it was it was doing a lot of the like threat hunting and alert monitoring and malware analysis. It's you know, and there is sort of that, and there is that. Um, I wouldn't say level system in the SOC because it's actually um, just how they refer to their structure. So you, you generally have like a front, an L1 team that does your initial triage. They respond to the incidents and like make sure they're actually true or not. Move it up to that second level, which is where I was. I was at. We did the, you know, the in-depth analysis and review and reporting. And then you've got like your management, your L3s and your L4s, and it's basically just like that escalation structure that. Um, that you build a security platform around. Um, so it, it was very interesting. Just I, you know, I've always had interest in technology, and you know, it's been on the technology, the software side, the hardware side. Not a lot of networking, but I really, but which is a huge part of cybersecurity as well. But you know, there's something to be said for system administrator experience, especially as we move to more cloud-based models, where you know. There's not a lot of networking. I mean, in you know one of the offices I work at, there's laptops, and they pretty much run everything from the cloud. So See, it's just crazy. Just just so we can make this clear for people that don't understand cybersecurity or IT, because I know for a fact my mum will not mind me saying that she thought of the cloud as she didn't know what it was. So. Is there any way for you to explain to me what the cloud is? It's literally just an, a computer that has a direct connection to the internet. So instead of, you know, where you're at your home, you have your computer behind your modem, right? You know, your, your Bell modem, your eSIG modem, whatever they provide you. And so, you know, if you look at it from an external point of view, your, your router is actually that connection to the internet, and then everything you have is behind it. So a cloud instance is just basically a computer that it sits right on that internet point and you can access it right directly. You're not going through a router. Uh, you're not going through like some intermediary. So you can access it from anywhere like an internet connection is available. So because the internet is, is just a big network. So take your home network and multiply that by a lot and add a bunch of complex technology and that's how the internet works uh, at a very grand scale. Yeah, well, there you go, mom, you know what the cloud is. Um, so, I mean, other things that have happened this week, I saw something that really kind of intrigued me now. It's a bit of a blue area, so to speak, and it's this whole kind of like, I don't know the right terminology for it. Let me just have a think now. It's in regards to the, um, not ransomware, but it's sextortion. Sextortion. It is. Mm -hmm. Now, this is something that many people may not understand just how, how scary it can be and how demoralizing and how much it can ruin a person's life. So there were some stories that have been published. I know the BBC uh, posted a brilliant article. We can link that in the description on this podcast on Anchor FM as well. But Justin, sextortion, can you explain a little bit as to what that can be and how maybe we could safeguard against it? Because everyone is involved in it, but how can we safeguard against that portion of it? Yeah. It's actually a very, you know, it can be very scary when you 
like that's the problem with our industry is everything sounds scary oh very much so. <laughs> it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's funny because the the fix the solution is a lot different than like what what you would think so mm-hmm. what a sex, sextortion typically comes in the form of an email spam yeah. phishing and they claim what they do is they identify you by name which isn't hard to find right your name it's associated easy. to your email address very easy. Yeah. they they state one of your passwords looks like the old password they find somewhere online in it to like build the trust build the validity of of their act right so you're instantly like oh that's an old password they must be telling the truth then they start to go in and talk about how they've watched you surf the internet watching porn they've turned on your webcam and recorded it and if you don't send x number of bitcoin to this wallet then they'll release it to your friends and your family. And that can be a super scary thing for people who don't, who don't have a lot of experience with technology and don't understand what's possible and what's not. And, you know, typically it all begins with them finding a record or an old password somewhere. So we, we find out all the, all, all the time that, um, passwords have been breached, accounts have been made available online. And so all they're doing is taking that information and just doing something different with it, right? They're just saying, how can I use this information to make myself look more credible in my attack? Yeah. And then they're saying, here's your password. You better believe that if I have your password or an old password, I have a recording of you watching, you know, porn. And the fact of the matter is, is that a lot of adults do watch some type of pornography and that's okay, but we're, you know, we're, we're sort of, I don't know. It's like, it's like embarrassed, embarrassed about it. Yeah. You know, there's, a, there's a societal pressure towards not watching it and yeah. you should be completely like, Oh, stay away from it. But it's not the case. But these people, for people that don't understand the sci- cyber side of this sextortion, mm-hmm. it's effectively blackmail. And I think what everyone needs to realize is cybersecurity is a new form of police. Like we're used to all the old criminal side of things. Like, for example, you break into a bank, you steal all the money. Now, from a cyber perspective, you can hack into a bank and take all the money. So it's a similar kind of thing. And I feel like people need to realize that you shouldn't be scared of cybersecurity because everything evolves. So if you don't understand it and you're scared of it because you don't understand it, that, as I said, everything evolves. Crime evolves and it always will. So sextortion, don't be scared. It could happen to you, it might not, and it might happen to someone you know, and the likelihood is it will. But just be very careful and make sure that they don't give away any info. But then at the same time, it's like Justin said, people watch pornographic content and they are embarrassed to talk about it. And this is what leads to all these problems is because they get into this like rabbit hole uh, of sextortion and they're so embarrassed so embarrassed to even go to their family and say look I'm in this trouble is this correct or not there you go sextortion don't worry about it it happens it's and it comes down to like how do you protect yourself moving forward if it you know if, it, if it's happened to you ignore it like delete the email do not do anything with it and you know 
what you can do to protect yourself isn't so much because you're going to get emails like that randomly. It's just going to happen. But you, you know, if, if you're confident in saying, yeah, that's an old password, but I used that a while ago. And when I found out that it was breached, I reset it. So have fun with that, you know? And then, you know, if you have those practices, those safe password practices, and you saw that password, you just kind of, you would know, right? So the psychology doesn't work. I think, I think this kind of boils down to the whole, if you don't know about these, well, phishing in general, um, if you don't know about it, the rule of thumb, if you don't know the email address, do not reply, do not click anything. And they, they are very, very sly with it. I mean, I know someone that was breached, it was the same email address bar one, one digit. And uh, they, the person I know clicked on the link and then obviously that link led to something that wasn't very good. But rule of thumb, do not click anything that you don't. And I think the problem that we've got here, I must admit on this podcast, is that we're going through topics like nobody's business. We're going to have nothing to talk about on the next lot. So we'll have to wait and see. Yeah. Um, yeah, if I... If I... I think it comes down to just, yeah, protecting yourself and don't check your email first thing in the morning or the last thing you do, because then you just don't put in the focus that you probably need to be able to protect yourself. And uh, criminals know that they do send you there. The, you, you'll get most of your phishing email early in the morning um, so that you get it first thing. Okay. Um, and, you know, uh, it happened to a, a colleague of, of mine at, uh, at a previous role where, you know, they just got an email one day they thought was from the CEO asking for their phone number, just they needed to follow up with something. And he replied with his personal number and that's as far as it went. So I was like, Whoa, what's going on here? Because then we went back and looked and it actually did not come from the CEO. It came from a free email account with the CEO's name, but there's something to be said for, you know, attackers using that ability to distract when it comes to, like email because it's just become that a daily bore for most people to check their email they don't think so so i feel as though on monday uh the the next guest that we're going to get i think i know who it's going to be i've had some conversations with some people i don't think you and i have discussed this yet but uh based in canada I might leave it. I might leave it as a bit of a guess for you as well. That could be quite funny. We get a guest on, and you don't actually know who they are. I, I was really thinking that. Yeah. I am. Um, I'm going to have a conversation with them. I'm going to say him or her or they or them. I suppose them counts. But I'll see if they're free now. They work more in the kind of uh, business side of cybersecurity, so it's more focused not on the tech, but it's for me being brutally honest <laughs> uh, I want to learn from them and I want to learn how they feel as though COVID has impacted them uh, as a company right. and to see whether from what we've seen let's be honest that cyber has now become a forefront in everybody's minds in some sense when it comes to major organizations they've been penetrated quite a lot by different attacks so I want to see how this guy has oh that one slip there that's a clue oh how this guy how this guy has uh, been able to deal with it in his position and if business has been booming because that's on the other sense that business seems to have picked up a little bit for cyber companies and that's because hackers have taken advantage of 
the situation. Mm-hmm. So I think that will be uh, for the Monday podcast. I've got to um, just check in and see if he's available, but we'll have to wait and see. I'm excited. I'm excited about that because I've realized as as I've been building my own cybersecurity startup that it's really it's really become uh, an area where sales and marketing is important because it's not about building a product. We can all build a product. We can all build a service that works, but it's, it's who can do the best job of, of explaining how what they can offer makes sense to a business to buy yeah. without immediate return because, you know, that's the problem with cybersecurity is you don't know you need it until you need it. And if you don't have it, it's too late. Mm-hmm. And you don't need a safe until until it's broken into and all your stuff is gone. It's the same thing. It's it's this whole kind of concept of you have to safeguard against things that um, might happen. Yeah. That being said, I think that um, it's a good place to start on Monday from a business side. So it was uh, good to chat today. And I think uh, everybody have a lovely weekend. I know... Uh, here on PEI, it's supposed to be warm, but maybe a bit drizzly. But we'll have to wait and see. What are you planning on doing this weekend? Well, I'm going to get outside, exercise, enjoy the weather. Hopefully, it's going to be nice continuing, and uh, just get away from my screen for a few minutes and enjoy the other things in my life. Yeah, I think uh, I won't want to be outside. I think I'll be dragged out. I normally go to the gym every more, every Saturday morning for an hour and a half, and that's the extent of my outside. I'm, I'm, I love TV shows, so for me it's a case of uh, watching a new mystery drama uh, on BritBox, which is like the British version of Netflix, and then uh, not leaving the house. And then Katie will drag me out every so often. And on, and I know for a fact on Saturday, I've got a meal with my sister and taking her and her boyfriend out. And uh, we case of, if he doesn't offer to pay, I'll, uh, I'll be upset. <laughs> but even, I'm, I'm going to pay regardless because he's a young lad. But, you, you just want him to offer. Yeah, well, yeah. of course you do. There's no satisfaction in paying unless he offers, is it? That's totally, that's totally. I appreciate that so much. Yeah, yeah that's and uh, Katie's just come in and said, "That's what I said." Uh, Let's hope he's not listening to this. Yeah, well, I don't think he's the type to listen to this. I think he's uh, I just graduated, so we'll, we'll, so is my sister. So we'll, we'll, we'll just see. Thank you. Thank you.